0: It is a dangerous thing to forget sometimes, isn't it? You know, I, uh, am right now going through all kinds of grief with, with Apple. Because, uh, on my, my phone, I, I didn't even know I had this, but I guess I have a secondary security system on my phone. And so I remember my first password. That's, that's fine. But the second password, you know you can put up a second password, don't do this I, I, if, you, if you haven't. But, but I set up a second password, I must have, and they said it was one of my former phone numbers. Uh, but I can't remember it. And so I've g- called them and I've talked to the highest r- rung on the, the customer service ladder I can talk to. I remember talking to this one guy who couldn't help me and I said, okay, that's fine, who's your boss? Who can I talk to beyond you? And he said, there's nobody, I am, I am the top rung. I said, "Okay, how do I get old of Tim Cook?" And he's the CEO. He said, "Well, I, uh, good luck with that one." So, so uh, my phone—it's a nice phone, but it doesn't work because I forgot. There, it, this smart, smartphone—an awful lot of it is limited now. I mean, I went through all my records. I've tried everything to try to remember, and I, I just forgot. You know, if you forget, it can be a frustrating, dangerous potential. A limiting thing If you ever forgotten where you put your car keys you know I talk, I talk about a frustrating thing right you're calling the furniture names and everything else because you don't know where your car keys are or you forgot your your spouse's yours too anniversary date right oh that doesn't go well does it or maybe you you walk in the classroom and then you you forgot that you had a presentation that day ah or you walk into the boardroom and you forgot that you have a presentation that day or maybe you forget your medicine. I mean, it can be life changing. To forget is a, is a scary thing. And so what we do, right? We tie little strings around our fingers. We set alarms all over the place. We said, don't let me forget. Don't let me forget. We, we write notes to ourselves. Whenever I've got a breakfast appointment, I usually write that right here because I don't have one tomorrow because I'm afraid I'm going to forget because we're just prone to forgetting and forgetting can be a very dangerous thing. Jesus says there's one thing that you can't, you can't forget because it's incredibly dangerous if you forget this. Everything else is secondary to this. You can't forget this. He talks about it in Matthew 26. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn with me. Matthew 26. We're going to be bouncing from... Matthew to uh, 1 Corinthians. But it says, On the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, that's the first day of that was Passover, right? The disciples came to Jesus and asked, Where do you want us to make preparations for you to eat the Passover? He replied, Go into the city to a certain man and tell him, The teacher says, My appointed time is near. I am going to celebrate the Passover with my disciples at your house. So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them and prepared the Passover. When evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the twelve. Now, to, to understand this, it's real, real, we want to understand this text this morning. To understand this, it's important that we understand something about the Passover, right? Uh, 1,500 years from this time, 1,500 years from this night where Jesus is, is going on, uh, the nation of Israel, small nation, seven, 70 people, what they had done is they had a relative, who was kind of a bigwig in, in Egypt, and the bigwig relative said, why don't you all come to Egypt and I'll take care of you? And so the 70, there are only 70 Jews in the world, they said, okay, so they go down to Egypt and the bigwig relative takes care of them. But in time, the bigwig relative dies and all of the government uh, changes hands and so there's a new government in, in Egypt and this little nation, a little tribe of people turn into this huge tribe of people. And so the new leaders in Egypt are looking at this, getting a little bit nervous. They feel threatened. And so they turn these this huge tribe of Polk into slaves for them. Uh, treat them very, 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 very uh, poorly. Um, Moses, via the encouragement of God, comes to Pharaoh and says, you know, let my people go, you know, that whole deal. And and ensues are the the ten plagues, right? The incredible manifestations of the power of God trying to, again, encourage Pharaoh to let the people go. You don't know who you're messing with, all that kind of thing. Well, nine plagues come and go, and the nation of, of Egypt is kind of dismantled, and the gods of Egypt are all decimated. But Pharaoh's still digging in, man. And so there has to be one more plague, the tenth plague. And that plague is that uh, over... Every home, the angel of death will pass that night, and the firstborn in every home is going to die. Now, this may not be a big deal for you if you're the secondborn, but if you're the firstborn, this is a serious thing. And actually, for the families, it's a serious thing because the firstborn is kind of their their inheritance, everything, their name. It was it was a huge thing. You can't let the firstborn die. Um, so this was this was a, a major issue. But God says, "I've got a solution." Kind of a strange solution, granted. But he says, take a lamb, kill it, take some of its blood—kind of gross, right—and spread it over the door of your house. And and that night, when the angel of death comes, if there's blood on the house door, he'll pass over. Pass over. See, so pass over that house and visit the next. Well, that night, the angel of death comes, and every home in the area that it doesn't have blood on the door, the firstborn dies, including the palace. And so Pharaoh is just packed off, man. He's, he's at the, it's at the end. And so he says, go, get out. And the people don't say, well, okay, we'll leave first thing in the morning. No, 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 it's time. When he said, go, get out. Let's, let's take advantage. We got a short window. It can close any moment. And we know from history it was going to close. So they, they, let's go right now. And so they're marching out that, that moment. As a matter of fact, they left so quickly, they weren't even able to put yeast into their bread. Uh, so it's unleavened bread. So they're they're all, they're all going. But think about it for a moment from their standpoint. They had been slaves for the last 400 years, working seven days a week. Uh, underneath the, the incredible tyranny of Pharaoh, you would go to work in the morning, not sure if you'd come back, because if they didn't like you, you had zero rights. Right? I mean, it was, it was, you did something wrong. It was, it was not, you weren't coming home. And so for, for for 400 plus years, this is how they lived. And now, they're free. They don't know what it means to be free. They just don't have to answer to Pharaoh anymore. And now, according to scripture, they are free to serve God. They are free to serve Him. And so this is, they are excited about this. Right? And then God comes in, in Exodus 12. And keep in mind, the law, Ten Commandments, all that doesn't come until Exodus 20, right? Exodus 12, God says, I've got a command for you. He's only given him one command up to this point. That was put blood on your door frame. The second command that he gives in Exodus 12 is, don't forget that you had to put blood in your door frame. He says, you, you, you can't forget this, you guys. This is the most important thing. Your redemption is incredibly important to you that you keep this in your mind. And so every single year, God sets up the very first holiday. I mean, this was set, this was probably the oldest ritual set way before the Sabbath, right? The commands for the Sabbath. And so he says, this is what you have to do. As once a year, on their calendar, it's the 15th of Nisan. It changes for us, but it's in the spring. What I want you to do is is, is have this special time, the special meal, and you've got some some roasted lamb, and you've got some unleavened bread, you know, and then you've got some bitter herbs, and, and he, he's every year you have to celebrate this, and so they did, and at Jesus' time, now it's been going on for fifteen years, and this thing has evolved into a very well oiled, machine choreographed, immensely uh, sharp thing, and this is one of the it is the largest. Jewish holiday in the fact that the Jews come from all over the Mediterranean world on Passover to Jerusalem. You pack up your family. This is something you've always done with your family. You recognize this is a family vacation. You, you recognize this. You look forward to it. And so the whole family goes to Jerusalem. The, the, the population of Jerusalem swells to over a million, a couple million people actually. It, it, you know, I grew up in Chicago, loved Chicago in the city, but then we lived in the burbs most of that time. But even when I lived up in Wisconsin, often I would come down to go Christmas shopping in Chicago. If, you, if you've never been on Michigan Avenue, sometime between Thanksgiving and Christmas Eve, uh, you know, it's just an incredible experience. The, the crowds are, it's like a parade. There's gazillions of people everywhere. There's all the shops have got their windows decorated for Christmas, and they've got the horses are pulling little carriages down the thing. They've got Santa Claus hats on, and Salvation Army is on every corner. And it's just a, like an exciting time. I think that's what Jerusalem is like at this point. It's an exciting time. And Jesus is there with his apostles. And it's just an exciting time. And so what you would do is you would take your lamb to the temple in the afternoon and you would sacrifice it. Then that evening, you would have your Passover meal. And this Passover meal is um, not like a... Uh, Thanksgiving, you know, you, you pray and then you just kind of dig in, and you, it's not like that. Not that y'all do that in your, your house, right? Right? <laughs> but but this meal, uh, you experienced the Passover meal. You didn't just eat it. Okay, it was well choreographed. There were four cups during the Passover meal, and you you drank from them at specific times in the meal. There, there were specific dishes on the table. You know, we one of the things we do personally. Christmas Eve, we have fondue. I, we, I, we started this, I don't know, when my kids were, were really, really little. And I think we decided we were just going to have our own family tradition, so we started doing this. But we always do it. So Christmas Eve, we have a cheese fondue. It's got special breads and cut in a special way, and it's got special vegetables. And then we have a, a chicken and steak and, spe- and vegetable type thing that we do with the fondue. And then we have a, a chocolate fondue with, 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 with uh, fruit. It takes a long time to, to eat this, right? And there's special decorations. And people just know where they sit. And, and I'll tell you what, if you try to put something on the table, we're going to have hamburgers tonight at Christmas Eve, it's just not going to work. And I, you, you change anything and the kids say, hey, we don't normally do that. And it's, 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 it's our tradition. These guys have been doing this for 1,500 years. They know exactly how it's supposed to go. They know exactly the dishes that are supposed to be there. They, 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 they know the order that's supposed to happen. You have a host, right? It's usually the patriarch. But the host is kind of like the MC of the meal. And he kind of leads them through the meal. And in this case, it's it's Jesus. And at one point in the, the meal, Jesus, the host, would take bread and he would raise the bread. And he would say, this is the bread of our affliction that we ate in the wilderness. And that's what he's supposed to say. And all the other Passovers that Jesus had, this is what He said, or this is what was said when He was there. Uh, if He had other Passovers with His apostles, He said those, this is the bread of our affliction that our, our fathers ate in the wilderness. All the apostles know that's how it goes. That's what they grew up with, and they're, from 15, last 1500 years, that's how it goes. And so Jesus, you can imagine, he stands up that night, and he brings up the bread, and he says, this is the bread, and they all know, yeah, 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 we know how this goes. But he changes it up just a little bit. First Corinthians 11, it says, I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So you can imagine all the folk are sitting there going, uh, whoa, 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 hey, Jesus Jesus, that, that, that's, that's not how it goes. I mean, what are you saying? And what he's saying is in the past when we took this meal, this bread represented all of our affliction, the hard time we had in Egypt, the grief we had to bear, the, the, the pain and, 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 the, and the trouble that, that we bore, and we remembered it before the great redemption when we were all released from it. There's going to be an even greater Redemption tomorrow. But you need to know all of your pain, all of your grief, all of your hopelessness, I'm going to bear in my body. So from this point on, it, it doesn't mean your affliction before you left Egypt anymore. No. It, it, it means your affliction, your hopelessness that I'm bearing. Because the issue is not not Pharaoh. Oh, it's so much bigger, so much bigger than that. And so the, the changes everything, radically changes everything. The whole, whole uh, Passover from the last 1,500 years radically shifted. There would be no more God-authorized Passovers from this point on. Still, people will, will do it, but it's not authorized by God. That's done. That's done. That's a, a vestige of a bygone era, a covenant that no longer works. That, that's 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 over. Uh, as we, we're gonna kind of have like a reenactment this morning, when we partake in, in the bread, as you hold that, just just think what Jesus said, that all of my sin, all of my hopelessness, all of my pain, He took in His body for me. Would you pray with me, Lord? The next day. You, you know, you would be on the cross. And I know they didn't understand it that, that night. They would the next day. And we have uh, kind of polished up the cross. I've got several in my office, you, you know. We turned the cross into decorations and jewelry and, and uh, posters. and But would you remind us that the cross at this point was a, I mean, it's a swear word. It was a, a sign of cursing. It was a sign that you, God the Father, cursed anybody who would be on it. It was a sign of, of shame and pain and of life gone horribly wrong. And yet, oh God, there's no greater sign of your love for us because it was my cross that you took, Jesus. It was our, our cross. that It was our affliction that you brought into your body that you paid for for us. And I would pray, oh God, that you would remind us, even now, as we lift high the cross, even though the world doesn't recognize it, sees it as foolishness, we recognize it as the power of you, oh God, not the stars, not the galaxies, not the complexities of life, but uh, the cross where our Shame and garbage met your love and your love won. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Amen. As you are served, just hold it and we'll partake together. Don't you wonder what those first uh, the apostles, that first, this is the first supper in many ways. It would be the first time anyone would participate in communion. And uh, what they were thinking, what they were feeling when they when that transpired uh, in the, the, the text one Corinthians eleven. I love this because it says that uh, this is my body, which is for you. Uh, those two words, "for you," really really jump out. For you know, I think is small word. Well, three letters, right? Three letters in Greek, small word. But yet, theologically, that is the heaviest, most powerful word in this text. It's, 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 word for can have different nuances, uh, of course, but what it is here is it's, means, uh, instead of, in your stead. Jesus is saying, this is my body broken, instead of yours. This is, this is my, my blood spilled out, instead. Of yours. If you think back over the, the Passover, this is amazing to me. You had the nine plagues, right, and, and miraculous, all of them miraculous. But they weren't enough. You had to have the tenth plague. You had to have the death of the firstborn before there could be redemption. There, there had to be that that uh, killing of, of the first before they were set free. Here, here Jesus. Is going to be that. And, and the Passover, this is amazing too if you think about it, because the angel of death wasn't just going to come to the Egyptian houses, right? It's not going to just go to, I'm just going to go to mean people and not nice people. I'm just going to go to the unrighteous folk and, and not the, the, the kind of folk. I'm just going go to go to horrible people and not to sincere people. No, no, no. The angel of death is going over all the homes. The judgment of God is over all. And this is... Amazing, we realize we may not be as bad as we could be. There are some people, obviously, who are very, very, very bad. They, they've unleashed uh, no inhibitions. Their, their goal is advancement of themselves, their pleasure, at any cost. And they, they do. They, they get there. Zero value for human life. It's, it's uh, horrible. And we might say, well, I'm not like that. And that's true. That's great. That's good. Good. But we also know when we stop... There are things I think about sometimes. I probably shouldn't think about, not really. And there are things that I should do that I don't, and I to pretend that I forgot, or I I, I pretend that I I didn't hear. We know deep down, there's nobody who's innocent. Yeah, I'm not as bad as, but there's nobody who's innocent. Nobody. The judgment of God comes over all, and, and unless the blood is, uh, you, you know what, the, the the judgment of God falls. It falls, and so Jesus speaks here, and at the, the 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 Last Supper, Passover, He says, "This this cup, right, is is the New Testament, New Covenant, of my blood." He says. Now the the apostles there that night, they were looking for a new. New covenant. God had said in the Old Testament that a new covenant is coming. The Old Covenant, remember this? It was that what was established with Moses on Sinai. It included a sacrificial system. It included closeness to God to an extent, but he kind of hung out in a tent. You couldn't get right next to him. It was uh, a picture of our real relationship with him. You couldn't get real close to him. It was a, it was a relationship of works to an extent. And they failed this thing, and they tripped over it, and they failed it over and over and over again. They couldn't keep it up. And so God says, one day I'm going to bring about a new covenant where I myself will come in to you, and the closeness will be there. And so they're they're waiting for this new covenant. Well, when Jesus that night says, hey, this is the new covenant of my blood, saying, it's here, it's here. Now, when God, most often when He set up a covenant, there was, there was bloodshed, there was sacrifice. When He made a covenant with Noah, there was sacrifice. He makes a covenant with Abraham, there's sacrifice. He makes a covenant with Moses and all of Israel, Mosaic covenant, there's sacrifice. Most often when God would set up a covenant, there would be, there would be blood. And so that's why you, you couldn't just take the lamb and just like clunk it on it, in its head and have it die. Now you had to, it had to have its blood shed because Jewish mind, life was in the blood. And they would watch the, the life pour out. The life poured out. That was the, the sacrifice. And so Jesus had to have a bloody death. This is amazing to me. He couldn't have just been stoned if the Jews would have just pulled him aside in a fit and stoned him like they'd done Stephen in Acts. Uh, he was prophesied that it would be a bloody death, Psalm 22. And so when Jesus was dying and the blood was flowing from his wounds in his back, from the wounds in his hand, the wounds in his feet, the spear in his side, the wounds in his head, they were seeing life being poured out, sacrifice, new covenant being established. This is a picture in in their mind. Now it's amazing to me at this Last Supper that uh, one of the folk there is Judas Iscariot. Judas at least he's there at the beginning of the supper and we know that Judas was seated in the place of honor now because Jesus fed him personally he would have had to been right he'd been on, had to be on Jesus left place of honor and both places right and left but you need to know you didn't just choose where you were going to sit the host seated you so you didn't walk in one night and say, yeah, I think I'll be in that place of honor. I think I'll take that. No, 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 no. The host chose, which means Jesus chose Judas Iscariot to be in the place of honor. Can you imagine you're Judas that night? You'd already cut a deal, right? You've already got the silver jingling around in your pocket. You know that that night you're looking for a time to betray him. And Jesus is saying, oh, know what. Judas, Judas, I want you here. <laughs> I think that I sat there like last year, maybe. I think it's Matthew's turn, Lord. No no, 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 Judas, you, you. Okay, okay. During the meal, there was a ceremonial washing part of the meal. Most probably it was at that point that Jesus recognized, and of course, that they hadn't washed their feet yet, which was normal. You know, you walk into your house or walk into someone's house, you kick off the shoes because you don't want tracking stuff that you picked up on your shoes outside into their house. Well, these guys would kick off their sandals as well. Problem is, they were just sandals, and so the d- roads were dusty and muddy and filled with manure, and they was just, it was just an awful thing. So these guys walked in with their feet. You, taking off sandals wasn't a whole lot of help, and so typically a servant would wash their feet. And so Jesus, recognizing no one had washed the feet, washes their feet. He comes to Judas. He's washing Judas's feet. Maybe Judas crosses his legs and jingle, jingle, jingle. <laughs> you know, can you imagine? What is Judas thinking? Why is Jesus doing this to Judas? He just wants him to feel bad. And then they're sitting around the table, and Jesus says, One of you will betray me. Now you're, 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 you're Judas. You're, you're all saying, Whoa. You're like, Ah, what's going on? Oh, no, no. How much does he know? How much does he know? Uh, and Jesus says, He's doing this just to make Judas feel bad. And then they all start going around the table. Not me, not me, it's not me. It's, not, it's not, not me, right, Lord? Not me, not me. It's not right, Lord, it's not me. And then Judas says, it's not me, right, Lord? And Jesus turns there. I can imagine they're about six inches away in their face. And Jesus says, yes, it's you, Judas. And then Jesus takes some of the bread and feeds Judas. What, what's, what's he saying? What's he doing? I think he's saying, Judas, you don't have to do this, you, you don't. I, I know you come around the table here, but I know you don't have intimacy with me. But 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 maybe you're thinking, Judas, I'm, I'm too far in. Maybe you're thinking I'm past the point of no return. You don't know all that I've done and all that I've said, and I'm just telling you, I know. And you don't have to go down this road. Would you come back to me? I can't imagine that there might not be somebody here. It's kind of like a Judas. You're dealing with something that you've done, maybe recently, maybe a long time ago, some, 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 some guilt, something that you're in the middle of right now, and you're thinking, man, I'm past the point of no return. I, I'm just, it's, 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 it's done for me. Jesus would come to you and he'd say, yeah, your sin is tough. I realize it, but it's no match for my grace. It's not. You don't have to stay in that state. Would you believe in me? It'd be appealing to Judas. The the cup when we when we when we get ready to, to take it will be taken in just a moment. We've got to be reminded that we're not here because we're worthy, right? That's that's the old covenant kind of thinking. We're, some of this new covenant Christians are old covenant esque. I'm I'm I've earned my way. I'm I'm good enough. I yeah, I'm not but I'm I'm getting I'm pretty good there and I'm I'm my way and I don't really stand before him unless I've earned it. And it's okay to want to hear well done. I want it to, it's okay to want to please him. As long as we recognize that my acceptance by him is not dependent on on my actions, my performance. We we come not because we're worthy, but because we're here this morning because we recognize we're not worthy. We don't come because, you know, I was broken at one point, but I'm pretty healed now. That's not why we come. We come because we're just as much of a a spiritual mess in some ways. We are in great need of his mercy and grace today, and we recognize that. We, We come because he has given himself for us, for you for you. Tony Campola tells a story when he was a little boy, went to church doing communion, and he said the lady in front of him was just sobbing. She was falling apart. She was breaking up. She was, she was obviously wrestling with some sin thing, and he was just kind of watching this. And when the, when the elements came to her, she kind of flagged them off, you know, pass them on, pass them on. And he said that his dad reached over to this lady and said, take it, it's for you. It's for you, and whatever you've done, take it. That's what he would say this morning. It's for you, not because you're good. It's for you. Would you pray with me? Lord, this morning we come with all of our stuff. We can't hide anything from you. And probably a little like that first supper, all kinds of folk around the table. They're different ages different backgrounds, different uh, experiences, different callings in life. But the one thing we have in common is the fact that spiritually we are a mess without you. That you gave yourself for us and that without that, we're underneath judgment. So, so Lord, would you remind us? Would you remind us as we partake now, would you remind us of that day that you first called us? Would you remind us of that, that, that place where we were, that conversation we had, that situation we were in when we first heard of your grace, heard of your love for us, and we couldn't do anything else other than say thank you when we realized that your gift was for us? I pray you would guide us in that now. Amen. Likewise, Scripture says that when supper was over, and Jesus took the cup and the third cup in the meal, he says, this cup is the new covenant of my blood, which is spilled out for many. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's drink. You know what's fascinating? That uh, Jesus never gave us a memory marker for his... Birth, He never gave us a memory marker for uh, his miracles. Do this so you remember my miracles. He never gave us a memory marker even for his resurrection, but he did for his death. Why do you, why do you think that's so? We like to be remembered. I, I like to be remembered. Uh, maybe it makes me feel affirmed, makes me feel loved, makes me feel appreciated. You think Jesus said, remember me? Because, you know, I paid such a big price for you, you blockheads. It's just nice to be appreciated when you remember me. Is this why? I want to be affirmed and feel loved. This is why I want you to remember me. I don't, I don't, I don't think so. Uh, let me give you a, an, an illustration It would help. We use men, but you could use men or women. Men, you're on a business trip, you're on the plane, and you're going away. And next to you sits this, this pretty gal. She's ten years younger than you, uh, but but pretty gal. And as you start talking, you you realize you're from the same alma mater, same major in, in school, and and that that affinity brings about some conversation and same field, basically, that you're working in, and she pulls out a book to read, and it just happens to be your favorite author, and you've actually even read the book before, so more conversation, and it was great conversation. As the plane lands, and you guys start to get off, you realize you're staying in the, the same hotel, and so, no, you in paying for two separate cabs, and so well, let's just share a cab, and that would be fine. So you go to the hotel, and, and when you get there, you go your separate ways, but you find your mind thinking about her. Nothing trashy, nothing tacky, just it was pleasant. It was a nice, pleasant thing. And so you change, and then you get ready to go down for dinner, and you go down to the, the, the hotel restaurant, and you're in, in line, and about your time, you're almost ready to be uh, called up. And then you get a tap on the shoulder, and you turn around, and it's the girl. And she's changed too for dinner, so you didn't recognize each other immediately. But you start talking and laughing and, and joking around. And then the maitre d' sees you two joking and laughing and talking around, and he says, well, table for two? And you're like, well, uh, sure, sure. And so you, you sit down, and this meal becomes a three-hour dinner. And you've talked about everything. And part of the time, you've got very personal, and you've unloaded all kinds of stuff. And there were tears, and there was laughter. And really, you just hate to see the time come to a close. And so one of you suggests that, why don't we go for a walk along the, the river? Well, yeah, that would be a good idea. So she's going to go up and get her sweater, and you're going up to get your, your jacket. And as you've got your key in the hotel room, you, you notice your, your wedding ring. You're just going to stop for a minute, stare. You slowly go on in the room, and you, you sit down, and you just kind of stare at it for a minute. You pull out your, your wallet or maybe you access your photos on your phone and you kind of look through the, the pictures of the family. There's, there's your wedding picture and you remember the, the vows you made to each other. and You really do love your spouse. You, you really do. But when you remember this, you think, you know, it's probably not a good idea for me to go to, for a walk tonight with that, with that person. When you remember... And it protects. When you remember, that keeps you from, from, from scars. It, it alleviates a whole lot of, of future pain. When you remember, it, it can bring about a a, a a peace and a contentment and a joy. Uh, When you remember who you belong to, you remember who you're in relationship with. You remember the price at which He paid for you, that you're redeemed. You're you're not what what you were. You can live a a forgiving and forgiven life, a grace oriented life, a a humble life. You can live the life that you were saved to live. You can live the life that you really want to live. But but that's why Jesus said, "But you got to remember this one thing: you got to remember the redemption." You've got to remember that you're, you're in relationship with me now. Uh, and when you remember, when you remember, and you live your life in light of the cross, radically different, radically different.